0: Starting a podcast can be very time-consuming. I've been doing it for more than three years now, and my biggest challenge was finding a way to distribute my episodes across major audio platforms in a way that was easy, effective, and free to use. That's when I came across Anchor. And the best part is that you can actually make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So if you're interested, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. This is the first episode of Let's Grab Coffee, uh, so it's a podcast that I started. I really just want to bring uh, successful individuals in different industries uh, to see what kinds of things they're doing, some of the experiences they have, and really just to have them share them with us here today. Uh, so I'm super pumped, I'm super excited to have our first guest. Paul Nado, is here with me today. Paul has amazing experience. He was a police detective, an investigator, hostage negotiator. Paul was then deployed on an international peacekeeping mission to Jordan. And this was at the age of 49 years old. Something yeah. impeccable. Uh, Paul doesn't stop there. You know, He went, became an instructor, uh, a lecturer, a motivational speaker. Uh, doesn't stop there either. Paul then goes, speaks at TEDx, an accomplishment every single presenter, including myself, uh, wants to do one time in, uh, in their life. Uh, he delivers uh, an impeccable performance. And then finally, to wrap this gift up, Uh, Paul publishes hostage to myself a book you can find on Amazon and I urge you friends I urge you to buy this book. It's an amazing book a lot of great experiences, which we'll talk about today Um, and To be honest. I have one more thing. Paul is also a professional actor. He's done some really cool shows short films here in Toronto Uh, I'm so so humbled Paul really from the bottom of my heart. Thank you so much for being here Let's grab some coffee, and uh, let's just cheers to the let's first episode. cheers, exactly. Well, George, I want to first start off
1: by saying thank you so much for including me in your very first My podcast. Pleasure. And I wish you every success. It is a great concept, and I'm excited to be here myself.
0: Thank you very much. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad to get underway. And thank you to all those who are on Facebook Live. We're also filming YouTube, so it's all going to be there. Yeah, yeah. They're all excited to see you, Paul. Great. Um, I got a first question for you. Yeah. Tell me what it takes to be a hostage negotiator. Huh. Well, okay, what does it take to be a hostage negotiator?
1: It, number one, it takes a desire and a will to do it. It also takes uh, somebody who really knows how to communicate with people. Because you can imagine, hostage negotiations, we're talking to people who have taken hostages, are threatening to kill people. Or on the other hand, we call it also crisis negotiation because about 95% of the the calls that a hostage negotiator goes out to are people in distress, suicidal individuals. So what you're looking for are people who are committed, people who are willing to put in the work to do it, and people who are uh, interested in making a difference, but they can communicate. So it takes a lot of training to be one. But I think the, the most important thing is the ability to communicate and communicate well with people.
0: Wow. Okay, so I got a question for you. Yeah. Now, I come from a finance background, you know, graduating university and stuff. And I mean, for us, when we want to apply to a job, it's a traditional route, right? Like, you get your resume, you either apply online or hit up a connection that you have. Is, is it a similar process for a hostage negotiator or does it depend on the experience? being a police detective?
1: It uh, depends on the experience that you have. And uh, I worked uh, for a regional uh, department, Durham Region, and uh, we only had a couple of hostage negotiators, maybe about four or five. When a position became available, I had worked for several years as an interviewer and interrogator, and I was quite good at it. And when this position came up, I just applied for it and said, hey, I'd love to do it. Now, the people that I was working with they, uh, they knew my ability, they knew my capability, but the decision was not theirs. It really rested with uh, the uh, RCMP. They had to make a final decision as to whether or not you were qualified uh, to, to do the work. So I had to go through a process with the RCMP before they selected me.
0: Wow, yeah. And so, I mean, I always talk about attaching purpose to action, right? You always start with your why, and then you get to the what. Now, you know, as a child, I was, I was overweight. I was the chubby guy, the funny guy. Uh, but you know, I've had so many different roots in life, yeah. and I never really knew exactly what I wanted to be. Uh, did you just wake up one day and say, "You know what? I'm going to be a hostage negotiator"? How did that happen for you, Paul? No, 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 no. Uh, well,
1: are you asking specifically about being a hostage negotiator or about becoming a cop? Really, both. Just in, in that in that type of industry. I mean, how did you? Okay. How did um, you get into yeah. It? He, here's how it happened for me. Uh, I grew up in a very abusive home. My father was a very mean uh, and physically uh, terrible individual. He... he, Don't he hear that. Yeah, well, you know what, it, it, it's the past. I'll get to that in a minute. But yeah. really, it comes down to the fact that I grew up in a home uh, in which we were all afraid to, to do anything. And we were beaten. My mom was beaten. My, you know, My siblings were beaten. We lived in that kind of environment. And I remember when I was about seven years old, um, after having taken everything that I had taken, after, af, after having watched my, my family go through everything, I decided at seven years old that when I grew up, I was gonna become a policeman so I could arrest people like my dad. That was a little bit of a promise that I made to myself uh, to, to become this, this police officer. And as the years went by, that, that dream never died. I just wanted to, uh, to do that. Now, my father killed himself when I was 17. He uh, shot himself, and uh, so arresting him, uh, I never got an opportunity to to, to do, but, um, you know, when I got through that, uh, I still joined the police at 21, and after being there, I just applied myself as much as I could to get whatever jobs I thought would be great and fun. I want to have fun when I'm working. Now you say hostage negotiations. Is, is that fun? No, it's not. It's not. It is very stressful, but it is very worthwhile because if you do it well, you're saving lives.
0: That's the reward. That's the reward.
1: George, yeah, yeah, when you're saving lives and you leave th- you, that night or that morning, whatever, you know, a hostage negotiation can go anywhere from two, three, four hours to 24 hours. Wow. You know, God knows, you know, how many hours it could, and some of them stretch off into days. I've never had one of those, but right. I've had long ones, and uh, every one of them were successful, and, and I was blessed that nobody died on my watch.
0: Paul, well, I want to stick on, on this subject. There's yeah. something important I want, to, I want to get out here. How do you stay calm? Actually, I skipped, I skipped a couple of questions, but, but you touched on mm. on, a, on a great topic here, and I really want to hammer it home for those watching. How do you remain calm in, in, in these types of conflicts? in these types of very stressful situations? What do you, like, do you, I don't know, meditate internally? What's, what's your process of just remaining calm, being there, staying rational, don't let your emotions get to you? How do you solve the problems, make quick judgments. How does that all happen? Well, let's,
1: um, let's look at, at what it takes to be a hostage negotiator. Yes. Other than the will, um, it takes a lot of training. And the training includes uh, professional actors that come in and uh, They're going to play the roles of the suicidal people or the hostage takers We have no idea what the scenario is going to be but we practice all the time So it's, it's very much like uh, firemen who go out and they practice for fire calls all the time so that when it does happen mm-hmm. You've done it so often that you feel a level of comfort right and so it, the practicing and the role-playing uh, s- uh, sitting in, in, in a small room, you know, talking on a phone with a hostage taker uh, and, and getting a scenario given to you that you've practiced, you know, maybe three weeks ago very much helps, you know, in the overall process because and how do I remain calm? I have to be focused. I have to um, I have to remind myself that this is my job and I'm going to do my job well. And I'm not doing it alone. I have a, a number of people who are working with me. Uh, as a hostage negotiator, if I'm a, a primary hostage negotiator, you would be my secondary negotiator. Now I'm in charge of, uh, of, of talking with the suspect, with the individual. And should the communication break down for whatever reason, that'll be handed off to you. You, you might have to start off and, and say, hey, you know, I, I realize it didn't work out with Paul, and my name is George and I'm a negotiator as well. I want to work with you." So we work as a team. Then we also have people in the background conducting uh, investigations on who these individuals are. I want to know what they had for breakfast. I want to know who they love. I want to know what's meaningful to them because if I can bring that in, if my intelligence officers who are working there will slip us pieces of the paper and we will take a look at that and say, okay, he's got two daughters and he really loves his two daughters. So if I, can, if I can bring that into the conversation and remind him of what really is important to him, uh, then that will be uh, part of the success of talking him out. So I will prepare myself mentally. I'll remember that it is a job, and I will approach it with, with the utmost um, caution and respect and I will do my best to make sure that I get the person talking. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, Paul. I think uh, you know, a lot of people watching this, including myself, uh, we have so so many things we're always afraid of. Um, you know, when, when I first launched my first YouTube uh, video, it was terribly edited. <laughs> I mean, I didn't even know how to use Adobe <laughs> software. It was just all over the place. And I guarantee you, a lot of people got a good chuckle out of it. But You know what it did teach me and a lot of people who who took it in good faith that you just have to just jump in sometimes including this podcast you know i mentioned to you that i had no prior experience i don't have an official website i don't even have a huge budget for this i mean i'm shooting from my camera uh facebook live from my cell phone we're here we're doing it though yeah we're doing it i'm so grateful that you took on this opportunity but how do you overcome this fear you've done presentations on, on tedx International peacekeeping uh, where you had to leave your family, you had to just pursue this opportunity, you know, how do you, how do you just say, you know what, fear does not exist, the only limits that exist are the ones I create for myself, I can do this. You've
1: answered that, you know, and, and, and wonderfully, George. Uh, you know, fear is a four-letter word that we should all look at as being the nastiest word out there. The word fear, F-E-A-R, is a dream killer, and and we have to look at fear as being uh, maybe an obstacle, but also an obstacle that we can get around, that we can face. Face your monsters, face your fears, because if you don't, you will sit back and you will accomplish nothing. Amen. Today you would not be doing yes. this broadcast. We would not be here yes. talking to you wonderful people here. We wouldn't be doing that because you'd be sitting there thinking, well, you know, it'd be kind of nice. It's like uh, <laughs> you know, we, we talked a little bit earlier. I, I remember when I, I became single again, you know, like, uh, you know, the, the fear of asking a pretty girl out or, or, or somebody that you like out is like, oh, maybe she'll say no. <laughs> yeah. uh, but, but if you never do it, you might have missed your opportunity to find your soulmate, And it's the same with anything else. You have to convince yourself. You know what? I'm not afraid. You know, and inside you're shaking in your boots, right? You're going, oh my God. You know, like, I really am afraid. But by God. you know, Just step forward and do it. When you step forward and do it, it gets easier and easier every time that you do it because the fear gets replaced by confidence. But it does not get replaced by confidence unless you face it and move beyond it. And when I was um, going to to Jordan I, I kinda figured <clears throat> excuse me, I kinda figured that this may this may be it. You know, like I, I had no idea I could get killed by terrorists. I, I I had all these these imaginations of what might happen when I'm in the field and these fears of what might happen, but my purpose was greater than me. The reason I went to to Jordan was to help in the fight against terrorism. And I realized that I had to face that fear because my goal was greater than myself. And when you look at your fears and say, okay, despite my fear, this is what I want in the end. Mm -hmm. And if you move beyond that and say, I'm going to take that fear, stomp it out. It's a dream killer. It's going to prevent me from doing something. Why? Because I want to do it, I'm worthy of doing it. I'm, I'm, I'm capable of doing it. And sometimes it's mantras, George. Sometimes we just have to wake up in the morning and, and, and uh, you know, tell ourselves that we're wonderful, we're beautiful, we're capable, and remind ourselves. To, and not only just say the words, but the words have to follow uh, with action. Mm. And you have to, you just have to do it. If you don't learn something, it won't come.
0: Right. I think think that's that's a great segue to the next question because, you know, okay, fear is is one thing on the side, but I think the biggest fear is the fear of failure. Like, as soon as you want to start something, your mind already starts calculating scenarios. What if something goes wrong? Right now, my phone could just tip over, Facebook Live would be over. Right now, we could have dropped the camera while we were putting it on the tripod. There would be no interview today. I mean, so many scenarios could happen. How do you you just say, you know what, I can't fail, but I can also learn from my failures, And something positive at the end of it will occur. Okay. One of the things
1: that I write in my book, Hostage to Myself, is that we really are hostages to ourselves. We are oftentimes the worst enemies that we can possibly find. It's those little nagging voices in our heads that tell us that we can't do something, that we're incapable of doing something, that keeps us hostage to, to these beliefs, these self-sabotaging beliefs. So how do you, how do you get a, a beyond that? You, you recognize that you are caging yourself, that you are, you are digging a hole. Uh, you know, and it could be it could be a sad, sad, dark hole that you're in. You find yourself in, and God knows we have all been in sad, dark places. Oh, yeah. But the idea is that when you're digging that 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 pit of sadness, put the darn shovel down, and start looking, you know, for you know the exit. Right. Some of the people who are the most successful in, in life and who have lived before us are people who constantly failed. Abraham Lincoln, how many times did he fail before he became the President of the United States? Yeah. Oprah Winfrey was told, you know, she was too large to have her own uh, television show. Did that discourage her? I'm sure it did, but it didn't discourage her to the point where she, uh, where she moved beyond that and did something. Uh, Michael Jordan was told he couldn't play basketball. Thomas well,
0: Edison. Thomas Edison, exactly. Right, right. Let's
1: take a look. You know, Wayne Gretzky once said that we we will miss 100% of the shots that we don't take. And how true is that if we don't try something? If we're afraid of failing, then we're afraid of moving forward. And if you want to be a success, you must move forward despite the failures that you've had in your past. Because it teaches you something. Mm -hmm. Be open-minded. It's like Bruce Lee would say, "Be open-minded." You know, like (laughs) it's just yes. Focus on the Zen. Exactly. Focus on the Zen. Focus on what's inside your heart. Yeah. And remember that you are not a hostage to anything unless you choose to be. You're not a hostage to fear. You're not a hostage to what happened to you in the past. Guess what? What happened to you in the past is in the past. Leave it there. You know, don't blame. Don't blame your past for your current situation right now. Yeah. You know, because blame is a killer too. You know, we can lean on blame. I remember, as a detective, yes. I used to sit in uh, in in the courtroom, mm-hmm. and I'd have a case before the before the court, and the accused was before the court, and so many defense lawyers would come and say. Well, Your Honor, my, 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 my client, he, uh, boy, he had a bad childhood. He, uh, he once fell off his bike, Your Honor. He, he fell off his bike, and that left him with some permanent scars. And they would use that as an excuse, a- a- and they would blame their past circumstances for the crimes they committed. Well, that's foolishness. That's crazy, you know? So when we look at the people who have gone... Past the naysayers. We've gone, you know, these people who are now successful, multi-millionaires and some of them billionaires, is that they did something that a lot of people out there don't do. Mm -hmm. They left their fear behind. Or they carried it with them and got used to it and then got beyond it, whatever it was. They tried something and they were motivated to succeed.
0: I want to touch up on something here, okay? Because uh, so first of all, we all know the blame game. I've uh, played it many, many times. Yeah. You know, I wake up at 5 a.m. and a lot of people know this, but sometimes I don't. Sometimes I come back home and all I want to do is eat a, a you know a jar of Nutella. Okay, mm. I want to pig out. I don't want to see anybody. I want to sit in my room. I want to complain, blame someone, blame my environment, my current financial situation. Uh, but one thing, Paul, that you know I, I try to you know say whether it's in my videos or whether it's in my blogs, or my articles. I try to sell the notion of resourcefulness, right that you don't have to have everything to start. You don't have to be great, you don't have to be super skilled, just give it a shot, try it out and see if it happens. Tony Robbins, uh, a motivational speaker, one of the best, one of the most well-known. He just he says, the key to happiness is progression. Make that positive progression. When you do something you feel good about it. So, uh, in your case, what? You know, has it been trying out different different roles, whether it's acting, motivational speaking, uh, policing, p- policing work, has, it been, has that been your, your happiness to, 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 fill, to, fill, you know, to fulfill your life, I guess? No, not entirely. Um,
1: I remember many, many years ago, my oldest daughter, she was about uh, eight years old, and, and she caught me off guard with one of the questions I remember to this day. She came to me and she says, Dad, what's the meaning of life? sat back for a few moments, and, and I really contemplated an answer. This is my daughter, someone I love very much, and, and I wanted to provide the best answer I could, but on the spot, my answer was relationships. So one of the, one of the most important things to me is, is personal relationships, you know, and, and being the best dad I can be, being the best friend I can be, being, being the best I possibly can. The different jobs that I've done, I've been passionate about doing them. I decided that I would... We have two closets in our brain, mm-hmm. and, and uh, on the one side of your closet are beautiful garments, their hope, their happiness, their joy, their success. That is what you can clothe your inner side with. Mm-hmm. On the other side, you have darkness, hatred, anger, and fear. And just as we get ready in the morning to clothe ourselves for our exterior bodies, so we should go into those closets of our mind and choose our attitudes for the day. Wow! So really, it, it, is, it is taking a few moments at the beginning of your day. You're right, sometimes we come home and we're just too exhausted, or we feel that we're too exhausted to do anything. Well, if that's the kind of life that a person chooses, and I, I use the word chooses to live, Yes. All power to them. Um, at the end of their years, I'm afraid that they may be uh, on their deathbed. They may be visited by the ghosts of opportunity, who surround their beds and say, "You know, you really had a lot of opportunity out there, and you decided to watch Netflix. You decided Utah. to yeah, ex- <laughs> exactly. You know, and, and and it's that way. I don't want to be surrounded by the ghosts uh, of uh, of." My, my past uh, missed opportunities. I don't want to, I want to, on my deathbed, I want to be lying there and, and, and having all my goats and everybody surround me and go, wow,
0: what a ride that was. He did it, yeah. Yeah,
1: you did it. You did everything you possibly could. Right. So, so, you know, when you're exhausted, when you're, you're afraid, when you're down, you really have to look at yourself and say, what do I want? and examine yourself deeply on the inside. What is it that would make me happy? Would it make me happy to learn an instrument? Would it make me happy to be more physically fit? Would it make me happy? Where am I weak in and where am I strong in? Remember, look at your strengths as well, but also look at where you would like to improve, and then ask yourself, do you want it? Yes. But That's not all. How bad Bad do you want it? How bad do you want it? Are you willing to wake up at, at... Six o'clock in the morning. Work two hours in the gym, then go to work. You know, are you willing to Puppy make it? A me f- up, yeah. Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah you know what, go to
1: the gym Exactly. You know, if you want it bad enough, you can get it. Yeah. D- despite, you know, I got knocked off my horse, and you know, like uh, I, I went from uh, when I say I got knocked off my horse after, um, you know, after retiring from the police department, yeah. I had set off to uh, to really uh, work on my acting, and then my wife at the time. Uh, informed me that she had been having an affair and wanted a divorce, so my income went from you know being quite uh, quite good and secure to being next to nothing, and I found myself in a situation where I really had to start over financially, and that kind of knocked the wind out of my sails. Mm. But I had to draw back from what I've experienced, what I've learned, and then start to to move forward, and out of that, this book was written, right. because I had no intention of writing a book. Paul Nadeau, writing a book? I don't think so. Yeah. You know, like, uh, it, it had never you know, occurred to me, but I would start to, to talk to people about uh, my experiences and what I had learned over the years. And one week in particular, the universe came knocking on my head. And I actually knocked on my head three <laughs> times, said, hey, Paul, are you listening? Because the first guy said, Paul, you really need to write a book. Mm-hmm. Second person said, the second person said, oh, I'll, oh, I'll write this damn book." <laughs> they write this damn book. <laughs> so two years I, I spent writing, you know, this book, which is really um, an autobiography, but also a self-help book. I didn't realize it was going to be a self-help book, but there was so much I felt I could offer people uh, from the experiences and from the stories that other people have told
0: me. So you know, from something bad, something good, good occurred and happened. Yeah. And let me just make something clear here, folks. Uh, what well, I think what we're, trying to, what we're trying to convey here is that hard work, the grind that I always talk about, you don't have to do it. Right? Like if, if you're comfortable going back home and watching Netflix, kudos to you. Like we're, we're not yeah. trying to, it, there's no enforcement to, to how you should live your life, to what makes you happy. Our points only here are that if you want to do something, if you're passionate about starting that website, writing that book. You know, starting that blog, singing on YouTube just to showcase your talent. You have to do it. And, and, you know, there is no short game. Like, you can't go home after you have a full-time job and say, you know what, I worked 10 hours uh, t- already today. I'm too tired. I'm just going to go to bed. Like, I came back from my full-time job, and we're doing this right here, right now. So look, this is what this book is trying to convey. There's no self-sabotage. That's only in your mind. You're creating those limits. So that's all we're trying to say. If you want that hustle, if you want that grind, you want the paper, like, you have to work for it. And I think, I mean, you're a great testament to that. Thank you, George. So, yeah. I mean, you know, there was there was one thing actually that that I, I read about you, and it was it was mentioned in several interviews. Uh, because we're on the topic now uh, of of say conflict resolution, and mm. we've already discussed a bit of your hostage negotiation. In two thousand five, there was an incident, if you recall. Mm. I do. <laughs> I want I, wa- I want you to tell this story because it's a fascinating story, and and I, I just I want to I want to hear the lessons that you learned from it. Okay. Um, yeah. The.
1: Uh, the story you're referring to and the event that you're referring to occurred in uh, Paris, France, 2005. I had uh, I was on the peacekeeping mission for about six months and I had traveled to Canada to spend a couple of weeks with my family and I was on my way back to my mission and we uh, were sitting on the tarmac uh, in a 747 in Paris, France and uh, waiting to to take the final flight over to Jordan. Needless to say, I was exhausted, and I'm sure that most of the passengers were exhausted because our our flight takeoff time was delayed by 40, 45 minutes. No word from the captain, The, the stewardesses had no idea what was going on. We're sitting there, and all I wanted to do was just lie back and have a little bit of sleep. And then all of a sudden, I glance over and I see the captain of the plane surrounded by heavily armed police officers come in to the passenger area and shout at one man. Now, you've got to re- realize the captain of the ship or the captain of of a pilot is the is the extreme law. You know, they have all authority over what happens in, in, in their particular craft. So the police actually have to follow the captain's direction and order. When he came in surrounded by all these police officers and the cars outside, you could see them parked all over the place. Um, it looked like an assault was about to happen. And it became very clear to me that what the captain was trying to do was negotiate with a passenger, a suspected terrorist wow. at that, about getting off his plane. This man had made a terrorist threat to blow up the plane. Now everybody in, the, in in their seats were like, like one of these, right? You know, like and, and and I'm sure that there were some people texting, you know, their loved ones. Just, sure. it, it, it's a sad situation when you feel that your life, you know, like and and we just went through that uh, that that terrible experience in Orlando. Yes. You know, like uh, my heart goes out to to all the uh, LGBT community and everybody else who was affected by this to that the whole right. world. Um, but imagine yourself, you know, not certain what your next few moments are going to be. And the fact that he was shouting at this man, I was a trained hostage negotiator. Mm -hmm. I just happened to be at the right place at the right time. And uh, I I realized that that this interchange between the two of them was not going too well. And I thought to myself, what would ever, ever make someone engage with a suspected terrorist in that fashion? So I, I, I slowly raised my hand out of caution because you know I didn't want to draw too much <laughs> hey how you doing you know boom 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 there you go okay he must be the second terrorist because usually terrorists work in pairs right I- I- you in have a plane to be careful. yeah so I was very very cautious and and I got up and and uh, I speak French and so I spoke to the captain in French I identified myself as as a police officer yeah. and as a hostage negotiator yeah. I asked if I could speak with him and he allowed me to approach and everybody I mean was just sitting on the edge of their their, their chairs trembling yeah. and uh, the police officers had their hands on their guns they were ready to uh, to uh, engage uh, the su- the suspect and, and I walked up to him and I said I'm a hostage negotiator I've been a negotiator for 7 years would you, would, you, would you mind would you allow me to talk to this man I'll get him off the plane and he, he actually put his hand on my shoulder he says, "Oh Yes, please. Um, ahead, he, he, yeah, please. Yeah, it's all yours. <laughs> so uh, a 45-minute negotiation uh, then transpired, and wow. I was able to successfully uh, talk the man into custody. That's amazing. Uh, we were removed from the plane. Uh, to this day, I have no idea if they found a bomb on that plane. I don't know whether I potentially had saved the lives of everybody, but the fact is, In my books, it's a success. Yes. And uh, you know, it was instinctive for me to. You you don't stand by and watch a terrible situation unfold when you know that you can handle it much better. Sure. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's. I mean, that's that's an amazing story, and I've heard this I think like four times as I was doing my (laughs) studying on you, but hearing it live, man. I mean. It's just it's 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 insane how some people can just revert to work mode. You know, it's like if I was in business class, you know, on the plane, I was a host negotiator. I'm about to like you know unwrap the butter, put it on the croissant, put some jam on it, yeah, yeah, lay it back, and all of a sudden, like, (laughs) okay, here we go, here we go, it's go time.
1: Yeah, right. I mean,
0: that that's what's interesting is you just revert it back to it, and and you have you have an insane ability to just control your emotions when you need to, make quick judgments, and and it's not I mean it's not only the benefit of yourself, but to so many lives around you. Yes. that that's amazing, Paul. I want to ask a question here, because I have a lot of business uh, friends of mine, you know, who, who've taken presentations class, uh, and it's sort of a, a personal goal of mine. Like I, mm-hmm. I, I want to one day present on a TED or TEDx stage. Uh, I want to know how did how were you able to get on that stage, and how was that experience for you? Oh, okay. Um, again, you know, like just like writing the
1: book, I had never intended uh, to uh, to be on TED as much as I would have liked to, um, but uh, here's the power of being on LinkedIn, you know? You and I met through LinkedIn. Yeah, Social you know. media folks. Social media folks is right, you know, like I mean, you know, we, we got We're to know each other very, very well, you know, yeah. like in the last little while. And um, I was contacted by a, a wonderful woman, Andrea Sampson, and she uh, was in charge of the uh, TEDx for the last few years. Mm-hmm. And she contacted me, uh, this was uh, last year, probably around uh, February of last year, about another uh, engagement, another speaking opportunity, unlinked to uh, to TED, um, and uh, she asked me if I would talk about uh, hostage negotiations and wow. how people might uh, might learn how to negotiate a little bit better. And it was called Planning This. And of course, you know, I jumped at the opportunity. I love to talk, and maybe you guys have noticed that. Um, but uh, it too. yeah, yeah. Um, so yes, I did, and and uh, so uh, I joined her. Um, I presented and then we started chatting afterwards and, and she's, she asked me about some of my experiences in the Middle East and when sure. I told her about a story uh, in which a terrorist had saved my life in the Middle East. Most terrorists don't save your life but one did save my life. I was about to die and he saved my life. And When I told her about that experience she said, that's a remarkable story. Uh, you know i I think that that 's worthy of uh, of presenting at Ted now she had no influence whatsoever on on who would be chosen about two thousand applicants all the time. Yeah. She says, "But I think you should you know put in your ideas and you should you should actually uh, you know give it a shot yeah. and so uh, I got the right papers and and anybody can can uh, can apply you know, for, for to be a presenter on TEDx, and uh, so I put in what my thoughts were, what my message was, and what the message we're spreading was, and uh, I just kind of threw it out there. Uh, I, I believe I did have a good message, I do have a good message, and by the grace of God, the grace of the universe, uh, I was selected uh, as one of the 12 wow. speakers. And it was just an amazing, amazing experience. I met so many wonderful people. Uh, There are so many great minds in TEDx. They help you every step of the way. Uh, They help you with a writing coach. They help you with a vocal coach. Uh, They really want to see you succeed. Wow, and so that's that's how TED came. It was uh, it was a gift. What an amazing experience! Yeah, it, no, you know it was, it, and it still is. I'm still I'm still basking in 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 the absolute joy that I had. Right, and, and, and it's
0: it's always like a, a blur, right? I always know when I present, it's like yeah, even with this podcast now, like you know we'll do it, and I'll just I look back at it and say wow, like you know what, what just happened, right? Like you just got to take it in and just say this is an I'm just so grateful for such a Cool opportunity. You you, you
1: know what? Yes, yes. You know, this moment and every one of our moments, uh, you know, I I spoke about this a little earlier. The past no longer exists. You know, like there's nothing we can do to change it. The future we can plan for, but it hasn't been written yet. What really matters to us is this moment right now. This is what you and I can control. We can control this moment. Within reason, we can control just about everything. So when I went for, for that TED talk, you, you asked, you know, how do I prepare for it? Well, it's funny. I, I think we're all um, similar creatures. I, I knew what I was going to say, and I had, I had practiced, and I had planned, and I had worked with a writing coach. Right. And then five minutes sitting in, in the in the green room, you know, waiting to go on stage, and then coming backstage, I'm sitting there going, wow. I forgot everything I was gonna say. <laughs> I you know, I I don't know what I'm gonna say out there. And it's funny because I, I knew it, but it's that that fear. And then I had to again Shut down. exactly and then I had to again remind myself that you know what, move beyond your fear, you know, take a few moments, meditate and remember you can do this. You, can do you know, convince yourself. And so I, when I walked out on that stage and I, I hope that you all watch you know my, my TED talk, it's a message about terrorism. It's a message about love. It's a message about how we should be treating each other. And at a time like this, it is a message that each and every living soul should be listening to. Would you agree? Yes, You've 100%. Heard? And my message talks about the humanity in each and every one of us. Yes. And if more of us would, would listen to that message and start uh, using the principles and living the principles of that message, mm-hmm. I think we would have a, a lot less violence and anger and death in this world.
0: Yes, and I encourage you to watch the TEDx uh, video. I didn't want to share too much because I don't want to ruin it. It is on YouTube. Yeah. Paul does have a channel. Uh, Paul, so after, after you wrote this book, right? All right, I want to know what's in store for Paul Nadove now because I think you're going to encourage a lot of people, including, including my parents who are watching this. <laughs> I keep telling my dad, I'm like, man, you should just be an entrepreneur. Like You have so much time left. You know, you're only in your mid-50s. Like You have so much power left to create something, to do something. Uh, and, and I say this for a lot of people who, who feel like now it's a limit, you know, so, so just talk about that. You have the experience. Oh, okay. I want to know what you're doing. What you're okay, up to. yeah. Right now what I'm doing, I'm now a, a public and
1: motivational speaker. And uh, I, also, uh, consult privately. Okay. Um, I also consult privately. I also consult for major news networks like CNN, uh, City TV, The National, yes. and I consult on uh, on hostage negotiations throughout the world whenever there's a hostage taking. Wow. Uh, the news networks will contact me or if there's a terrorist incident the news networks will contact me. Uh, but my passion now is motivational and instructional uh, teaching. I can teach people how to negotiate. I can teach people how to, and I, I'm not saying hostage negotiations, I'm talking about day-to-day no- negotiations. Who better to tell you how to how to get beyond conflict to success than somebody who's done as much as I have with this and I understand the steps Uh, so that's what I'm doing right now and as far as um, you know in your father's particular situation uh, we are only limited by ourselves again it comes down to being a hostage to yourself it really comes down to that If you say to yourself that I finished one career, that's the end. I may as well just go and, and walk around the park and maybe play a little golf or what. If that's what you want to do, that's great. Right. But if you have other passions and joys and interests, get just, to work. You, you know what? Get to work. One chapter is finished. You write the other chapter. Yes, we are the authors of our own lives. We are the directors of our own lives. And you're right, get to work. Get to work. Get to work and just do it. You, if you want something in life, your 50s 60s 70s some great actors you know became uh, academy award winners and they started acting in their 50s and 60s yeah. you know like it, yeah. it's just uh you find what you're really passionate about and write a new chapter in your life and do whatever it takes to to get you there you know like to 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 make that happen for you you know Amazing. really it Amazing. is up to you it is up to you your past does not have to equal your future, your future. Whatever happened to you in the past does not have to equal your future. In fact, if you've drawn lessons from it, if you've learned from it, then use that. You know, and it's, and it's not just about, you know, uh, providing, hey, you know, just talk to yourself positively. No, that's nice. Talk to yourself positively, but follow it up with action. If you're digging yourself a hole, if you're digging yourself a hole, if you're, you're sad, you're unhappy, you're unhealthy, stop digging. Yeah. And start looking for the way out. And if that means uh, you know, getting counseling, professional counseling, if that's what you need, please, you know, that's what you must do. Yeah. But if you can be your own counselor, if you can read uh, you know, like what I, what I have provided in this book, you know, the tips about being your own counselor and getting yourself out of the hole and moving your way into success, then you will find the answers and the joy that you're looking for. And so, when you are on your deathbed, you're going to go, that was
0: amazing. No regrets. No regrets. No regrets. No. no regrets. Well, final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, you know, most, most of the audience right now are in their mid-20s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I'm, I'm 22, including myself. So yeah. Right now, I want to finish off on a very strong note. Yep. What is one piece of advice for someone in their mid-20s, right now, watching this on Facebook Live, YouTube, what do you leave us with? Okay.
1: First of all, you're 22, you've already accomplished so much, and you're moving you. ahead. If anything, you know what I can leave you with is never, ever, ever give up. And no matter how many times you get knocked to the mat, you know, like, uh, life is not all rainbows and sunshine. You know, that beautiful speech that Rocky delivers to his son yes. in Rocky Balboa. <laughs> is age- and I remember watching the Rocky movies with my daughters. They were young at the time. I wanted them to watch the movies because they taught a principle about life. Life is not always easy. It, 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 it does kick us where it hurts. And sometimes we do fall on that mat. But it is our choice to stay on that mat or to pick ourselves up and face our fears, our opponents, our Apollo creeds, whoever they are. So never, ever, ever give up. You get slapped in the face. You get knocked down off your horse. You, uh, you, you, you suffer uh, a love loss, um, a, a wealth loss, whatever it is. That's not the end of your story unless you choose it to be. So what I can leave you with is really never give up. Go for what makes you happy. Go for what makes you joyful. And if you need to learn how to get there, find the people, the resources, the training to get you there. But look forward to the beauty that this life has to give because it has so much abundance. And the moment you start to think that it does, The moment you are open to the universe, I speak from experience. If I tell myself and I believe it and I follow through with action, it's amazing how many other people and other opportunities open up simply because I made myself available for it. I spoke to the universe, the universe listened, and everything in abundance comes to those who attract it. And you must attract it. And the only person who can do that is yourself. Get yourself out of your hostage state. I love it. Do not stay in it.
0: Wow. Uh, okay, so, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm kind of speechless right now because <laughs> I've, I've really envisioned doing this for so, so long. And just to see it, you know, just get executed uh, r- relatively smoothly. I am so pumped. I'm, I, I'm serious. This is, this is from the heart. Thank you for every single person. I don't care if it was one person watching this on Facebook Live whether it was one person on YouTube. Yeah. I am so grateful to have this opportunity. Paul, uh, you don't understand how much this means to me, just for you to give me this opportunity to start this thing off. Let's grab coffee. I'm passionate about two things, coffee and great networks. I have a lot of great speakers lined up. Thank you so much for this opportunity. I want to thank you too. You did an amazing job.
1: Appreciate it. And I know that this is going to take off virally. Uh, You're a great host.
0: Thank you very much, guys.